You're tuning in to Missouri NEA Connects, a podcast to focus on all things Missouri education, from policy to practice, so that each of us can unite, inspire, and lead from where we are. We're happy you're here. Every month, MNEA Connects is going to be providing a legislative update to you from the session that is occurring in Missouri. Uh, The session in Missouri occurs from January to May. Our legislative director at MNEA, Otto Fagen, is going to be providing that update each month. This month, we are introducing you to him, and also he's going to give an overview as to how members and non-members, friends of public education, can get involved in MNEA's advocacy at the Capitol. Who is Otto Fashion? Tell us about yourself, including your role at MNEA and what you do as legislative director. Sure. So, yeah, I am. This is Otto Fagen, and I am, uh, like to say, a product of public school. Uh, I've been with Missouri NEA and serving as legislative director for about 22 years. I was hired by the association in 2001. And so I was born in Columbia, went to school in Columbia. Uh, I still live in Columbia with my wife, Lisa Boyer. We have five kids, Columbia Public Schools, Mizzou. I went to Mizzou, um, and then I was studying, intending to be like a science person, and I was studying physics and math and science, and then I connected up with the Senate because they were looking for somebody with that background. They wanted somebody with a background in math and science, so I started doing science and environmental policy uh, for the state Senate in 1990. And then education got added to my plate in 1993. And I was involved with stuff like the Outstanding Schools Act. And then it, the, as that decade went on, we did a lot of work on school desegregation. And then I think it was that role that kind of saw uh, MNEA look at me and say, you know, when we needed a new legislative director, maybe the person who's been doing that kind of work would be a good person to be our, our lobbyist. And so they hired me in 2001. And so I've pretty much been doing that job uh, full-time since 2001. So let me tell you briefly what that job is. Uh, you know, I primarily focus on working with our members and the state legislature. And the reason is that states are so important for public education The federal government does sometimes get into public education, but under the U.S. Constitution, it's mostly a state thing. And so that's why, like other associations, we have somebody who primarily focuses on state legislative issues. So I'm in the Capitol a lot during session. I'm there to carry the message and communicate what the association's interests and concerns are to legislators and let our members know what is going on in the legislature. And then on the backside of that, in the, in the uh, interim, when the legislature is not in session, that's a time when the legislative director works more closely with our members, looking at the issues, uh, also involved with coalitions and, and with agencies. But our resolutions committee now is the committee of our members that really sets the the resolutions that say what Missouri NA believes. And so I help the resolutions committee work through uh, 
any changes that we might have to that set of beliefs. And then that set of beliefs kind of guides how we interact with legislature, with state agencies like the Department of Elementary and Secondary Ed, and other, and with school boards and administrators. So that, that kind of gives you a sense of the legislative job. And I'll just tell you a little bit about um, the Missouri legislature. Uh, it is uh, the, the policymaking body for the state. And so we're engaging with them on issues of budget and finance, and also the state laws, especially state laws that relate to schools, to working people, and to tax policy so that we have revenues that help fund our schools. Well, how fortunate are we that you got intercepted by education? Uh, that was a very deliberate act by certain people at Missouri NEA, I think. But it was also supported by my wife, who is a lifetime member of the association. Oh, yes. Lisa is great. So I love the conspiring between maybe not between all of them, but them pushing you in our direction. Yeah. We are forever grateful. Well, and it, it, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure uh, to, to really be able to advocate on behalf of such a high-quality organization uh, for so many years. So in terms of the legislative session, yes. can you kind of give an overview as to how that works what are the typical outcomes? I know it seems like I said it kind of seems a little elementary, but as someone who is not a history teacher or a government teacher, that's not super well known the nuances of how that works. A brief overview: who those who don't typically follow legislation. Yeah, so that's a great question because I used to I used to chuckle when I worked for the state senate from ninety to two thousand and one. You know, a lot of people, they don't really know the difference between Congress at the federal level and the state legislature. And so it's important to realize what we're talking about here is the state legislature, and it does laws for the state of Missouri. And Missouri is kind of like the average state in terms of like we have about an average size of a state, an average number of people, and we have kind of an average legislature. Uh, some legislatures, like in Idaho and some more rural states, they're only in a couple months every two years, and they have a very minimal legislative session, and the legislators have a full-time job doing something else, and they pretty much do the work mostly themselves. On the flip side, you have states like California, New York, uh, Pennsylvania. They have a highly professional legislature. The legislators are pretty well paid. They work all year long. They have a lot of staff themselves and their caucuses and their committees. And they're in, you know, it's a very intense thing. It's almost more like Congress. They're in session all the time. Missouri is a, what we call a hybrid. So they're in session not quite half the year. They come back every year. And in the session, they always have job number one is pass a budget. That's their big thing. And so the governor will hand them a budget. And as a matter of fact, this week he did his state of the state. And he handed the legislature his budget proposal. And so the legislature now has until the middle of May, the Constitution spells out when the session starts, says when it ends. And if they do nothing else, they need to pass a budget. But while they're at it, they can also file bills to change our law. And so these days, the House and the Senate, every legislator typically files at least one bill. Some might file 20 or 30. 
And at present time, there's no limit on how many bills you can file uh, before they would say that's enough. And so we typically get at least 3,000 bills now, both chambers during a legislative session, which is a lot. Uh, probably it's a good thing that the vast majority of those bills don't pass. We already have plenty of laws in a lot of areas. Uh, typically, you'll see at least 100 bills pass. Sometimes it's less if there's really a slowdown in how it's working. But you'll typically see at least 100 of those 2,500 to 3,000 bills pass. And which topics are like big and get a lot of attention will vary from session to session. Although in 22 sessions now, I've never really seen a session where education wasn't fairly much on the radar. And that makes sense because education is kind of job number one for the legislature. And if you look, read the Constitution, after they pay their debt, they have to fund public education first. It's a big part of what they spend the money they have control over, the state revenues. They spend a significant fraction on it because they have such an important duty to fund education, which helps us have a democracy that works. Uh, the purpose of public education is so that we can protect the the rights and liberties of the people and have a knowledge uh, of how to run our democracy ourselves. So that's kind of, you know, typically you're going to see some bills pass. Uh, you'll usually see about half a dozen or maybe more bills in education pass. And this probably will be a relatively typical session. There's no pandemic shortfalls or um, blockages of the Senate action or the House action like we've seen in recent years that we anticipate. We think they'll be in session the full 18 weeks, whereas in the last couple of years, they've had some interruptions of the session. So we think we'll have a pretty much a typical length of session. They'll probably pass a number of bills. And education is at least as getting as much attention as any other topic. Thank you for going over that for I know I can speak for myself. I appreciate it. I feel like every time I talk to you, I learn something new. It's, it, it, it is kind of an obscure place and an obscure uh, place of work. You know, people just don't really think much about yeah. it, I think. And like until this job, I never really had to. Um, but I But now that I do see it, I think it's so important that people know what's happening. <laughs> It's it's almost just fascinating to me how a group of individuals I know elected, I get that democracy, elected people, just changing the rules of the game. Like that's how I see it. Like I we were talking about board games the other day and like different games we play with our families, right? And I just think of this as like yeah. that an example of that. This is just is this just changing the rules of the game? Well, it's just, that's a that's an exercise that um, we like to do when we want to let teachers and other uh, other members think about the importance of politics and the importance of the legislative the, the legislature. Let's talk let's switch gears to this particular session. What are the big topics of proposed bills? Describe them, what you're hopeful for, what you're worried about, why? Sure. So I'll I'll try to keep this brief, you know, as I mentioned education really is getting a lot of attention. Senator Mike Searpoy saw me the first day of session. He says, Otto, you're going to be busy this year. And I think he's accurate that all of us who are involved in public education are going to be busy. Last year, if you were following it all, we had, you know, it's kind of comes from a political context, but it connects to things going on in our districts with uh, 
parents interacting with school boards, with school curriculum. There's legislation that really looks at how do parents access information and what's going on in terms of uh, curriculum, particularly as it relates to topics around race and diversity and inclusion. And so there was an effort last session to move on that, which didn't pass, end up passing a bill. There was a possibility on the very last day of session that something might pass, but it ended up not happening. And so majority Republican members of the Senate made it very clear that would be kind of like, well, we're just going to pick up right where we left off and move that quickly. Mm -hmm. And we have seen that. So going by how quickly things are moving, I think it's safe to say that Senate Bill 4, sponsored by Andrew Koenig, which addresses those parent access information and curriculum issues, uh, is moving. It was heard yesterday uh, in committee. Uh, and he has made it clear that it, he intends for the committee to take up a tweaked version, a, sub, a revised version next Tuesday when they meet at 8 a.m. And so that bill is moving. We haven't seen a bill heard yet, but we know that bills that might affect the participation of trans female athletes in whether it's collegiate or elementary and secondary level uh, athletics, uh, that there's going to be some effort to legislate on that topic. That was also part of the conversation last session. And so we're likely to see that as well. And those bills may end up kind of being combined in some fashion. That's also possible. So expect to see if you're following in our updates on that, uh, you'll probably see that for the next few weeks, at least there's going to be a lot of activity. The next one out of the gate is clearly going to be public school open enrollment because both committees are hearing bills next week. House Bill 253 is uh, Brad Pollitt and Senate Bill 5, also Senator Koenig, um, are both being heard in their respective committees. And those are the respective committee chairs. Uh, So you might expect the committee chair to have a pretty good shot at moving his uh, priority bill through the committee also. Uh, It it's a topic that we have been in conversation on. Our, our resolutions are cautious and have some degree of concern that open enrollment needs to have a lot of safeguards. And we have tried to engage with legislators to try to incorporate those. We've had a little more success in doing that with House Bill 253 and Representative Pollitt. Senator Koenig's bill, Senate Bill 5, lacks some of those features. But that's going to be a very uh, big topic this session and clearly being second bill out of the gate on the Senate side and the first bill up on the House side in the Education Committee, likely to be one that gets to the floor in both chambers sooner rather than later. There's other topics that might uh, move quickly, things like charter school expansion, expanding our ESA or tax credit style vouchers to private schools. Those are possible. There's also lurking out there on the on the more of a problematic side, efforts to try to reinstate more no child left behind test blame and punish provisions at, at the state level. Uh, so that's a possibility. Hafner has House Bill 558. Curtis Trent has Senate Bill 341, and they're very similar. The other side of that issue, though, I'm going to mention just a couple positives. 
And on that same general topic of local control, testing and assessment, accountability, and accreditation, State Representative Paula Brown has House Bill 49, and State Senator Jill Carter has Senate Bill 85, both of which would, uh, in different ways, uh, take a strong step forward in providing more local control on student assessment and more local control on accreditation. Uh, and so we think with those also being a priority for those uh, bill sponsors, that there's a likelihood those bills will, for the first time, get a hearing. Uh, and so we're, our hope is that those can be a big part of the conversation. When I spoke yesterday on Senate Bill 4, on the curriculum issue, I pointed out that the, the emphasis at the federal and state level on testing, the testing of math, of communication arts or reading, and a little bit of science has really been a factor in why we have less local control because that's dictated by the state and also because it doesn't include social studies, it doesn't include institutions of government, what you test and live or die on probably becomes more important. Uh, it's important for folks who care about local control, who care about these other issues, to realize that the testing and the, that sort of mindset has an effect on how, uh, how schools address the different subjects. And so it, it's an important thing to really think, don't we need more local control to allow schools to avoid narrowing the curriculum? And so we're very encouraged to see that there's two sides to that conversation mm -hmm. and not just the test, blame, and Absolutely. punish stuff. Uh, the other piece... The other piece is the budget. Uh, the governor just yesterday did the state of the state address on the 19th, and he's very fortunate uh, get to have finances that he has. Uh, some governors have had to deal with, you know, uh, economic downturns and state budget uh, deficits and had to withhold funding. Governor Parson, on the other hand, right now has the difficult challenge of figuring out what to do with all the money because the state... Uh, State revenues are coming in still at a pretty good rate. Uh, the economy has a lot of federal money flowing through it, which raises incomes and taxes. And there's also a fair amount in the state balances. And so he put out a budget that will fully fund K-12. It fully funds pupil transportation for a second year, even though that wasn't essentially a guarantee. It has both capital and core increases for higher education and it does some other things for early childhood through the formula and also child care subsidies for working uh, parents. And so there's a, a number of pieces there. It also has some pieces connected to teacher pay um, in terms of career ladder and in terms of helping the very low pay districts raise their salaries. And so that, that's kind of exciting. Both chambers have a variety of things on that topic. There's funds, requirements and minimum salaries. There's even some bills about tax credits and tax deductions for teachers that would put money directly to uh, teacher bank accounts as opposed to filtering mm. through the school pay system. And so there's a, there's, a, there's a lot going on there in the budget um, and in bills that would pertain to how we help fund mm. uh, teacher salaries. 
uh, add this in there to the, it's a little factor on the open enrollment side, but one of the things that we're watching for is the possibility that the open enrollment bill could essentially be used mm. for charter expansion. Um, Representative Pollitt has typically avoided that. And so one of the things that we're watchful for is any effort to try to use the open enrollment to, to expand charters, to allow, for example, charter schools to take kids from other districts without having meaningful reforms to the process and the expectations and the standards and accountability for charter schools. Senator Koenig's bill, as I read it, would allow that, and that is of concern to us. Representative Pollitt, his bill currently does not have that, and he has tried to resist having that put into the bill. So that's definitely something, as that open enrollment bill moves forward, for us to all be paying attention to. Definitely somewhere we'd want to keep an eye on. I'm sure next month you'll have another update for us on that. I'm sure that four weeks down the road will seem like a long time in the lifetime of the open enrollment bill, yeah. Okay, good. So we'll hear something by then. Well, um, can you describe your overall feelings of the session so far? You know, it's, it, 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 there's, there is definitely hope um, that some positives on that, on that front come forward that haven't come before. Uh, but some of the things that we have been you know, concerned about and battling are going to continue to be uh, right, in, right in, in the forefront. And I will say, I think the open enrollment piece has a bigger chance to move than it has ever had before. It's been through the House a couple of times, and it's getting more attention in the Senate. So it's going to be front and center um, and, and is likely to get a lot of discussion. And, you know, obviously... There's a possibility that anything can pass, you know, only three weeks out of 18 right. done. Anything is possible. Okay. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out. How can members and our friends of pro-public education support MNEA's work at the Capitol? Well, there's several things, and the, the association tries to help support that. One of the things that I – first thing I would recommend – is go ahead and sign up if you're not already getting the legislative update that I do every session night. Uh, I try not to. I try not to have that be too dense. There obviously are a lot of things going on, but I try to keep that relatively targeted to what's just happened, what's about to happen, um, and prioritize it based upon kind of our re resolutions and priorities. And so that's a, a quick way to kind of get. A sense of what is and isn't moving. If there's something that somebody's asked you about and you haven't seen it in my updates, it probably has been left at the starting gate. So if there's some some terribly offensive idea and somebody in a newspaper writes about it, if you haven't heard one word about it in our update, it probably is dead on arrival and hasn't moved anywhere. If it's moving, you'll be reading about it. It's really helpful to go ahead and yeah, you, and you, it, it's helpful to download the Missouri NEA app for uh, either Android or iPhone. It, that helps you identify all of your elected officials, including your state legislators. And you can identify them for where you live and where you work. If you work in a district or wherever, or you work wherever, uh, you can connect up with folks based upon both of those uh, reasons. But what I wanted to say maybe above all, is there is a need for people to be um, open to talking in mm -hmm. a real way 
in a in a thoughtful way with people who don't necessarily yes, think yes. like they do. There there is no, there is not enough of that. So the the challenge is how do we try to pull our country back together with the ability to do the less less maybe enticing work of actually trying to figure out what's possible, what makes tomorrow a little bit better than today. And so, you know, to the extent that you can have a conversation, learn about the people who are elected for, to represent you, and then let them know what you think, what you're seeing. You can communicate, you know, what goes on in your school, what goes on in your community. Uh, I can communicate at kind of a state and a policy perspective, but I don't know all the details of your particular life, your situation, your classroom. Uh, and because education is so important to legislators, it's super useful for them to hear from the people who are serving in their communities. Um, and that's kind of information and story helps them be better connected to you know, something that might actually work as opposed to something that's been thrown in their direction that sounds politically nice or attractive to certain people. We've uh, act actually asked our members to share on some uh, postcards and we have a lot of members sending those in. That that's very useful if that's kind of you know where you're at because of the time constraints. If you have the, the interest and the time to really reach out and try to develop a little bit of a relationship and communicate with your legislator, that's super helpful. You know, I like I just can guarantee you after 33 years, these are I don't I don't want to say ordinary people, but they are just yeah. the people of Missouri. And so they, and, and they, for the most part, they, some of them come from an education background. Most don't, but all of them have to deal with every issue. They need help. Um, if you can think about that as a, if you, instead of being a teacher where you get to be an expert in how do I help my kids learn? How do I provide good educational opportunities so they can, they can be learning? If instead you had to make decisions about complicated topics that range across human experience, uh, every year you had 50 or 100 or 200 decisions on every topic you can possibly imagine, you can imagine you'd want some help and, and advice. Yeah. And so that's a part of what, that's part of what, as your legislative director, I try to do that on a daily basis. I, you know, the, the, Every time I talk to legislators, the, about the first thing I say after hi is, what can I do for you? And so being of service, we can, our members can be of service to them in that way because you have, you're the expert. You have that story to share. Uh, you have the perspective that they need to know because education is a big part of their job. It's really on their list. It's number one. And it's a big topic. It's a, it's a fundamental responsibility. The Constitution orders them to make it their number one job. And so they have to pay attention to it. And they need you and our other members and people who care about public education to help them understand the reality uh, so that if there's rhetoric that needs to be pushed back against, they know how to do that. Capital Action Days, if you have time and the ability to participate. Many of our folks are already, they're scheduled by the folks on the board of directors uh, engaged with their PAC council members uh, to help coordinate that. And uh, 
you'll be seeing little notes about when those things are coming up in the updates. That'll start um, early February and it'll run basically to the beginning of May. So we'll have on a Wednesday, most every session week in that span, we will have some folks from some part of the state or maybe a couple parts of the state coming to watch a little bit, have appointments to talk to their legislators and try to make a difference there to try to, try to uh, educate them about the realities of education and the needs of educators and our students. All right, Capital Action Days. Keep an eye out. And they've got, they have 15 session weeks left, just to put that in perspective, 15 weeks left. There we go, 15 weeks. All right, if you could give us a one-word prediction for this session in its entirety, what would that be? Busy, or busy, 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 because I I anticipate a lot in education. Mm, Busy, busy. We are so grateful you're here, so grateful you're at the Capitol. Um, and I really appreciate your time today. I can't wait to talk to you next month. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of updates, hopefully in a good way. I am sure a lot will have happened by then.